0: Excuse me, Veronica.
1: <clears throat> yes, what is it, break?
0: I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants.
1: Hello and welcome to The Pants Party. I am your host, as always, Harrison Starr. Joining me, as always, <laughs> Ben Ross.
0: Ben, what's going on? You want to sound like, as always, but also sometimes, too. Um, you, you were very, you weren't absolute with in administering your always there. You, no. you were hesitant. You were hesitant to even commit to what you had done for the past however long we've done this.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've had, you know, it, 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 it's been a winding journey at the Pants Party, I feel like. There was, you know, the very first season. Uh, I think you are very pro exploring a name change and coming up with like a Ben and Harry graphic a la oh. Ben and Jerry. That's <laughs> what I sense. But to me, we're just so, so far <laughs> into it that it, it's the Pants Party. It, it should yeah. just, it, it's a good one.
0: That had never crossed my mind once until until now and no i i love the pants. I, I mean the pants party was my when max and i were first thinking of names i think it was the only one we could agree on and it was I'm pretty sure it was my idea he got there was a second one that was the other now oh now i might text max to see if he can remember what the runner-up was also really good that's all i remember and now i need to know ugh. It's gonna well, be, oh it's well we'll figure it out yeah <laughs> good I, radio <laughs> <laughs> uh, i know
1: the, the classic oh time to research that um <laughs> no i think it's i was trying to think because i wish i had thought more of like what would the iowa um ben and jerry's uh ice cream flavor not sure why i can't think of it what would the name of that be and what would be in it yeah the maybe get some, would be
0: the first thing you'd have to arrive on
1: yeah, so I, I I don't know like that. Now, now we're spinning. Um, who knows? Who knows? Is sweet
0: corn is, is sweet corn ice cream too cliche? That's that's a popular thing at Minnesota State Fair.
1: Okay, so one thing at a food truck here in Bentonville, there is it's an ice cream truck, and they have cereal ice cream. And you would think, oh, what cereal would you do it with to to make it? And they pick. The most boring flavor of all time, cornflakes, but it does work. well
0: Interesting. Like, not frosted flakes, even just cornflakes? Cornflakes. It interesting.
1: Is. It's pretty good because, like, you get the natural sweetness from the corn. It's, um, it's like a version of vanilla, is really what it comes down to, with kind of a little t- twist on it. Yeah. It's funny because, like, I'm a big cereal in, or sugar in my cornflakes when I do have cornflakes. And it felt like I put more sugar in uh, my cornflakes than the, the cornflake ice cream had. It was good, but I, I don't think I would get that one again.
0: You will have a bowl of cornflakes and you will add sugar to it.
1: 100%. Yeah, like a little, a little like dusting um,
0: on Why don't top you just of the cornflakes. Why don't you just have Frosted Flakes? I'll have. Sometimes I want frosted. Fruit. I have so, never so. heard anybody <laughs> putting sugar in their cereal before. Is this like a, a thing?
1: It it's gotta be. It's definitely a thing.
0: It, I, you got I, to I a hope bowl. it's a thing. That's why there's just sugar cereal. I guess. Like, do you think it? You're since you're able to control the amount of sugar because I realize like you're basically having four donuts and a bowl of cereal these days. I guess I, I can see that.
1: Now I just don't know. Now I'm just like okay. through a loop. I, I thought it was a thing. Like I would equate it almost to like the flavors of oatmeal. It's I mean this probably isn't helping. My okay, case at all, but I like, guess you, you do put brown you sugar, sugar. Yeah, uh, you on put oatmeal. sugar in
0: oatmeal. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that was a really nice defense. I'm curious now. I've I've got a lot of questions. I mean, okay, what kind of milk? Well, I
1: mean, let's 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 talk. Uh, here here's the thing. It doesn't necessarily make sense because it doesn't do an even coating. The sugar immediately goes. But to you the can bottom. stir it
0: in. You stir it in. I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not concerned about the actual application. Okay. Like the, the mechanics of the application, just the, the act of. Well, imp, I, yeah. important is what what kind of milk is. Mo- I think is most important.
1: It's always been two percent. That's what I grew okay. up on. Okay. But recently, recently I have taken to whole because, like, you look at just the actual math on this stuff, and it's like if okay. I'm going to pay the same amount roughly for milk.
0: I think whole is kind of, like, slightly better for you, too, anyway. I know it's a step closer to cream, but I think just because it's le- there's less crap in it, it's uh, a little bit more friendly.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, like, the, the classic I- – I'm anti-diet soda because <coughs> Ooh, how they okay. make that with no calories, I just don't get oh, it.
0: Oh, it's cancer in a can, but
1: – So that that's – but getting to your point about, like, equating whole milk versus 2%, I, I think it's, like – maybe 10% like 20 if you actually do the right amount of milk that is supposed to go into cereal which is not that much (laughs) like
0: a quarter cup (laughs) yeah
1: you're not adding that many calories and that's like all I use milk for unless I'm having cookies in which case whole milk is is superior so it's you know it's what it is it's what it is I I wasn't expecting to talk cereal and milk um I mean on this podcast but here we are
0: not much more important stuff going on so, besides cornflakes, is it just cornflakes ride or die? You mentioned frosty flakes offhand.
1: Oh, for the cereals that I'll do? Choice the choices. Well, <laughs> this is going to crack you up. Like, we almost oh, every single time we get, like, lucky charms. Now, I, I haven't okay. been in on lucky charms in a while, but Christina, God lover, she will, when you get down to the end of the bag, she'll take the uh, marshmallows that remain and put them into the first bowl from the next bag of Lucky Charms and throw away like a cup of the on marshmallowed Lucky Charms.
0: The wheat, the, the, br- uh, the crust. Yeah. <laughs> the crust <laughs> of uh, the cereal. Pretty sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much.
1: And, and this week I got um, uh, Captain Crunch Cedar Rapids own uh, Crunch Berries. That's, I don't I don't know if you are in on this, Ben, as mm-hmm. uh, but there's always Crunchberry Day. Um, oh, at yeah. the Quaker Factory. Yeah. I interned so at the
0: that's, I internet yeah. Gazette, so I spent enough time in Cedar Rapids one summer. But, I mean the hot people complain about the smell. I don't like it it wasn't a offensive smell. It was just very pungent.
1: Yeah, I think the the best smell. In Cedar Rapids, and this is like the the jokes. The <laughs> city of five smells is what exact they call it sometimes. But the best one <laughs> is the GM plant when they are doing either fruit roll ups or fruit by the foot. I think that is the bar none best. Um, Interesting.
0: I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's southeast side of town. I think so. I, I was not necessarily there a lot, but that that would be the the stuff out here and. I did have a friend, um, Grant Mahoney, actually, uh, who kicked at Iowa State. Um, His father worked at the GM plant, uh, and like they would be able to every now and then they would have like hot uh, fruit roll ups off of the line, quality assurance, you know. And apparently, those are just insanely good. Uh,
0: Fascinating. Probably the best thing I learned. uh, The coolest thing I've learned. Most intuitive thing I've learned since I was in since I've been in advertising was uh <clears throat> I don't know, Oreos were always my cookie and me they were something my mom and I would always bond over and we would always be sure to get like the seasonal oreo So for Halloween, the orange cream and the um like Easter, whatever, spring, you get the yellow cream and I can't remember, you know, other ones. But Halloween and springs always stick out in one time. I was writing oreo for a client for uh, and uh as with a person from oreo and i asked him that question like am i crazy or like do the oreos actually taste better when they are the seasonal ones he said no you're right because they're fresher so they are they make fewer of those they put them off on the line and they have to sell them right away so whereas you know for something that's, you know, supposed to last the show for four years anyway. But, <laughs> you are know, you know, if you're able to get it within, you know, a month or two of it being made, compared to, like, you could be getting something that's a year old when you normally buy it. So, it actually makes perfect sense. Oh, boy. I will ne-
1: I'll never look at Oreos the same now. Wow. I know,
0: and it, it like, influences my decision, whereas, like, I, I never buy this stuff anymore. But, like, if I ever, like, if I did... And I'd be like, oh, you know, Halloween's only a month away. I'll just wait and buy a pack of Oreos in because it'll be worth the wait.
1: That makes sense. I get it. I get it. I have a friend at work. Um, he is big into, like, new flavors of everything. So he'll go to the various stores that we have, and <laughs> apparently they're just, like, one aisle, and he'll pick every single new one. And, like, this is one of the things that you miss about not being in the office is, like, you could – try all the stuff that he has because he gets it for people to to share um and i haven't had like any random oreos or kit kats or things like that in uh nine months now ten months right i mean i think it was what? like it's crazy we've been doing this
0: for 10 months uh one of the many crazy things i follow a guy on twitter who specifically does like new food reviews and I'm pretty sure – he might be a college football guy because I found him through, like, college football. Every college football person I know seems to follow him. And most recently, I think I watched him do a video of uh, – it was cereal. There was a Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie cereal out, and he reviewed it. And he went bonkers over it.
1: I, I watched one food reviewer. And this is just something that I don't normally do, but it was that weird Travis Scott McDonald's meal. And it was this food reviewer. It's this kid who looks like he hasn't gone through puberty yet. He wears a suit and tie to eat like McDonald's. I know exactly or what
0: you're talking about. I, I don't and think and it's forever. just it's not one, but yes, I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about.
1: And like, man, what a stick! <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. just tremendous. Uh, ho- hopefully, it, like I just don't know how he does it. Just so good. It's like so <laughs> random.
0: <laughs> I wish I knew, like how much those people make. Cause like, if you were like one of the first people to do it, it doesn't matter how big of an asset you were. You, you'd be making bank right now.
1: Christina actually looked this up. Cause she okay. was like, how do I get into YouTubing? And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's wild how much they make. Cause she, she's looking at it through like the lens of streamers or whatever, who are. Doing I know video games. Talk
0: about wild. But th- those, what those people freaking make is wild.
1: Yeah. And it's like, if you have a million views, I think you get, it's like a dollar a thousand. So that's a thousand bucks.
0: On YouTube or Twitch?
1: Um, YouTube. Uh, and this is, this is a different, like another discussion for a different day. But like the fact that YouTubers get this stuff sent to them to play instead of having to pay like licensing fees to the... Oh.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: The video game companies is in my opinion yeah. one of like the great inefficiencies in this system that we've built uh, among many inefficiencies in this system. There are a lot, but like the one that sticks up is like like if I if we were to watch Iowa basketball and stream it as like uh, a thing, we would have to license the copyright for you know, if we were gonna watch some oh, old basketball right. games. And the fact that they don't have to do it, they just get it sent to them. And uh, to me, it's it's wild. It's wild.
0: I mean, I I'm kind of glad it's that way, don't you? Aren't you? I mean, rather.
1: I, I I just think it's interesting. I I I, I, I think guess it's it definitely throttles.
0: Yeah. How is it any different than a movie critic who they don't pay for their movies or TV critic they don't pay to watch the shows. So they get them sent. They you I mean. They get free screenings and they get screeners sent to them.
1: Isn't that different, though? Don't you have to be a part of a guild?
0: Yeah, but literally, you can appear in for one second in a commercial, and you can be in the guild for the rest of your life. Like being in the Screen Actors Guild is like the biggest sham of all time. You have to pay like ninety bucks a year. Then you get all the screeners. You get to vote in the Oscars. You get to vote in the Emmys. If you were in a TV commercial, it's it's crazy. I know a guy. I know tons of people who are in the screen actors guilds and like one, cause they're just like, they were held the boom on uh, a, a commercial, like things like that.
1: Dang. I'm going to have to keep an eye out on uh, things that are filming in my area.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. And see if you can, Wait, when enough. I get,
1: when I get shot up. Yeah, yeah. That'll be, that'll be worth it.
0: I had a, God, this woman was locally famous cause she was such a, crazy cat lady literally out of uh the Simpsons or cliche, but her cat was in a commercial for cat food and she would always would break how she's in the screen actors guild because like it, she was screaming like defeat she was opening the can in like the the commercial.
1: That's wild. She would always and then she would,
0: she would bring the she would bring the VHS of the commercial and show no matter what, we've had this t- substitute a million times. Should show the commercial every time.
1: Well, I guess that's that's what it is. Uh, not going to sh- fire any shots, but uh, it's interesting. That's for sure.
0: Good, good work if you can get it.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, so Ben, pivot from it's, that.
0: pardon? I said pivot from that.
1: It, impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iowa football. Their season officially ended about a month ago. It feels like a year ago. Um, but we never really did an official recap of this season. season. Um, and, and we're doing this on the heels of uh, Alabama blasting Ohio State in the title game on Monday night. Filming this. Recording this on Tuesday. Um, and it is uh, overall a good one. Uh, finished 16th. In the the AP poll, 15th in the coaches, I believe it was. Um, And got eight games in, six and two. Those stats are uh, widely available. And and we just kind of had the three things. I think these are very close to the three kind of buckets that we discussed at the halfway point. Um, Disappointment, surprise, and best moment and i think uh ben you've you've done a little more thought with this i'll I'll bounce uh, my thoughts on off of you as uh you kind of sell me yours um so let's go ahead and get disappointment out of the way um from a you know start start with the bad news finish with the good news because overall a strong season so ben take it away
0: I was thinking compliment sandwich, but you know getting, ah. getting, getting bad out of the way is good uh yeah. this is the only one where I had two i think or i i think that, I think it's one and a half or one a or one b actually no I think there's a clear disappointment i just I just think the way the season ended two straight cancellations of games two end of year cancellations w- it would be the biggest disappointment honestly for the year i mean so we got we played eight games and potentially should have played ten so was that twenty percent of our schedule was erased in front of our eyes? Um, especially, you know, the Michigan game. I re- honestly really didn't care about, and Missouri as an opponent overall did absolutely nothing for me. I mean, they were five and five. I, why would why would I try and get up for that game? Uh, but just the fact that we weren't able to play it, how we didn't have one more chance to watch this team, which you know, is probably a pretty good team. You know, we we were. We had two weeks of Hawkeye football stolen from us. And uh, I think that has to be the biggest disappointment.
1: Yeah, I think that that is probably the appropriate answer. I I think um, looking back season-wide, I think to me, maybe the biggest disappointment is not being in the championship game. Um, But you have have to win the games. And, you know, you look at the team Iowa was in – the beginning part of the season, the hadn't really figured out the secondary. Um, I think that was, you know, an issue that happened with the Purdue game, um, and then the 50 pass attempts against Northwestern. It seemed like they learned from that. They reshuffled the the defensive backfield a little bit. Um, they uh, did not force Spencer Petras to throw 50 passes in a game the rest of the season even though it was feeling like it was trending that way against Nebraska um so yeah I mean I think to me the biggest disappointment is not having a uh they're being tested past the eight games that they were so I guess it's it's an extension of of your having two cancellations but different in that way so that that was kind of the thing I was thinking about and then uh as we famously discuss uh, player performance try and be as kind to the player as possible i was thinking about it a different way it, it felt like it um from the receiver standpoint i felt like they didn't necessarily have the opportunity to show as much of what they're capable of um and that from a a an excitement standpoint felt a little disappointing because just looking at Amir Smith-Marset did end up as the leading yard guy um, at 345 yards, but eight games, that's like 40 yards a game. And then uh, Brandon Smith only had 230 yards, which is under 30 yards a game. And to me, it, it felt like wanted to see those guys go out a little stronger, although <laughs> to Amir Smith-Marset, he did, and we'll probably talk about that in the future. So, um to me I, I think those are kind of the the three things I was thinking about when when we talked disappointment.
0: So the other thing I was <clears throat> and you know talk about you know chastising the players but this goes hand in glove I think with what you were talking about the wide receivers and the end of your cancellations was I mean just overall quarterback play not being able to watch Petrus progress from his two unquestionably his two best games of the year were <clears throat> the, the two last games. And that was those you find I mean you can talk about it how it took six seven games for this offense to click, not even click, just figure it out. Um, but the fact that we were denied the opportunity to let these to let a really a, a young quarterback and really talented receivers build on momentum and end the year uh, on a high note was the other sort of disappointment I had written down and tossed around,
1: yeah. I think that that, yeah, uh, to me that's really kind of what it comes down to with the cancellations is they weren't able to to validate all the work that they had put in. And, you know, it, it, we, different teams get up for different bowl games. And it seemed like Iowa was really locked in. Um, that par- practice or two that they have had um, didn't look like they were really going to see anyone other than Smith-Marset not play. Um, so yeah, not being able to see them one last time is certainly the, the biggest disappointment, especially like you said, coming out of um, a strong uh, December and November. Um, and seeing if what, what happened was um, valid is maybe the wrong word, but
0: um, just, just, a
1: different test against a different opponent. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think they probably would have torn up Michigan and Missouri. So even, even more so.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the most disappointing piece of it, right? Is Mm -hmm. that you look at where they were 16th. And I think that that was a fair ranking for the season that they had, but it, it, it certainly seemed like they were playing like, they were better than the 16th team in the country. I would put them in the, there are some metrics ahead of, um, uh, you know, after their eighth game, when you look at kind of the last five, balance them against other teams, last five. And I always right there in the top six or seven teams in terms of how they were playing. Um, So yeah, not being, not, not being able to continue that momentum is really pretty frustrating, but I think we, we came to terms to it pretty quickly because I think, when I when I look back about how I was viewing this football season, I was very um, get me to basketball season. So, so once once the cancellations happened, it was like, well, we're in basketball season now, so I can really refocus. But yeah. now now it's that, that we're point. focused on looking back at football, it's like you know what? It would have been nice to get um, a couple of different uh, chances at, at watching them play.
0: I, I never thought of that from like an end of the season rankings perspective. So it's like, let's, let's pretend Iowa ends the year eight and two. Where do we think? And like you said, they are 16. Where do we think they get ranked? I don't think this is important at all. By the way, I kind of don't care, but as a fun exercise, I guess. i look, I just pulled up the AP poll, uh, Indiana 12. They end the year six and two as well. Did there Didn't they win their bowl game though? Who did play? No, Indiana lost to Ole Miss. Okay, lost. That's right. I guess. I mean, I feel like we kind of end near 16th anyway, even if we're at eight and two. We got 10 and one Louisiana Lafayette at uh, 15th, 11 and one Coastal Carolina at 14, eight and four Florida at 13. Maybe we hop them. Um, I guess we hop at six and two in Indiana, and then we got BYU 11 and one. Uh, and then Northwestern ends the year at 10 at 7-2. and two. I don't think we crack the top 10 by any means. I don't know if we should. I think like two to three spots at the absolute most is where they end up. And, right?
1: I, I would put I, Iowa would have, in my opinion, I think they would have ended 12th. I think they their body of work would have surpassed Indiana's with um, yeah. two okay. extra wins. Uh, it would have... I mean, from just a pure comedy standpoint, if Iowa had been able to get to to ninth and push Iowa State to tenth, that would have been hysterical. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think Iowa had mm-hmm. that body of work. Um, their their wins weren't, their wins weren't good enough. Um,
0: and then the last uh, two wins wouldn't have been good wins.
1: No, it, it would have been a function of winning games while other teams were losing games, which is what happened to Indiana, Florida, and. Coastal Carolina, so I think twelfth is probably where they would have peaked. Um, Would that have meant a bigger bonus for Kirk Ferentz? I don't know. I saw that he 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 is entitled to one hundred seventy five thousand dollars as a result of this. Uh, I'll be curious if that gets paid out. I would suspect it is because
0: that contract is ironclad.
1: It is ironclad. Yeah. I I think I, I think they that they did forego or at least. Redonate or something, they figured out a way to have all of the raises that they got ended up not being raises, um, to help with the budget a little bit. But, uh, yeah, pretty ironclad that, 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 uh, uh, contract is. So, uh, your, your number 12, Iowa Hawkeyes.
0: Yeah. Also, that sounds right. Also worth noting here, this is the, uh, Iowa ends the season ranked the top twenty five for the third consecutive year. Only the second time it's happened in the Ferentz era last time it happened was O two to O four, correct? Yeah, I mean, you I nailed think. that. Mm-hmm.
1: Or excuse me. Uh, yeah, it was O two oh, yeah. to O four. Yep, 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 It was oh, I'm in the basketball one. Whoops.
0: Oh. <laughs> um,
1: no, it was it was O two to O four. Um and you look at uh yeah, the eight 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 and then yep.
0: yeah.
1: I, I think there's fair discussion about whether Iowa in some other seasons probably deserving of being ranked. But the style that they play just didn't really lend itself to it. Like, you look at that 2010 team, and that was a top 25 team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Oh my um, yeah. And you can't go out the way that you did in 2016 and 2017. But I think there is a weird – Weirdly good body of work to 2016 uh, with the the Michigan win beating a ranked Nebraska team. But, you know, you can't poop the bed in a bowl game and expect to be ranked if you're kind of in that area. Yep. So, yeah, I think, man, I, this is, now that I look at this, this is the... Um the fourth or fifth season that Iowa has been ranked the highest at the end of the season. Which is uh, weird Oh
0: fascinating. That yeah. actually that doesn't really surprise I mean it's all odd stupid offensive lines and uh, you know getting better as the season progresses are the two Iowa football stereotypes, I feel like. And having a quarterback who can't move. Moving on. <laughs> uh,
1: moving on to the biggest surprise. You go first, uh, it's your turn. Let's let us hear it, Ben. What, what do you have?
0: Well, I mean, I went first. For, I'll go. I will go first, but I went first for, for biggest disappointment. Should we trade off? Or I guess I'll go first all three times. I'll just uh, say it.
1: I can, I'll, I'll do a biggest surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. To me, I think that the amount of talent that Iowa had in the first team Big Ten, the the all first Big Ten teams, is truly astounding. Like, I mean, Tyler Goodson, uh, Chauncey Golston, uh, Davion Nixon, Torrey Taylor, Tyler Linderbaum, I think he traded off with an Ohio State guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think... I, Alaric Jackson, um, just the, the talent that this team has, to me, being validated by that All-Big Ten team, um, is a, a r- really big surprise for me, because um, we, we know they're good, but to see it kind of listed out there, um, I'm sorry if I missed anyone, but I think I I think I got everyone.
0: Was it's not third.
1: No, I think he was a an honorable mention. Northwestern had some really good cornerbacks. Let me see.
0: Uh yeah, that would be
1: that would be where I frame it.
0: That's good. That I um I I do have a note about that unrelated to this. I'll it'll come up naturally I'm sure. Uh mine is (laughs) I, I think mine's obvious. It's the insertion of the wildcat. That is without question okay. <laughs> the biggest surprise. <laughs> you know, if you would have told me I was going to have five, all big 10 players or however many, six, seven, I'd, I'd freaking believe you. If you were to tell me I was going to run 10 plays a game out of Wildcat formation, I would tell you, um, you know, to go service yourself because that, that was just not going to happen. Are you kidding me? And we not only did we see it at all, we saw it run to success. Uh, most frustrating of all, we so we finally got we got what we've been asking for, and it wasn't a complete total failure like we would have expected.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I missed that because you're absolutely right. The fact that the wildcat was a resounding success it it makes you wonder, Ben. Like like I, I, it's just it, it blows me away. Like I, I think that you go back and you look at where iowa was and who they had uh were they gonna do it with akram wadley he would have been the only other guy
0: no, i do have a defense for it you, you you're probably building it so you you continue uh
1: but like just going back and it's just like you don't really have the the running backs that maybe you necessarily trust which is probably the very first thing i i think You know, Kirk Ferentz may have come into this season a little differently um, in terms of being open to something like that. Um, But I think you kind of go back, maybe Kanzeri would have made sense, but he had injury issues, um, so maybe not. Uh, And then, yeah, to me, it just, as much as anything, it's a function of do you have a guy you trust and a guy who's dynamic and someone who... um, Maybe might be able to throw the ball. We'll see. Um, so I think it it all kind of, you know, came together nicely. Um, but really, the the biggest key is that he trusts Tyler Goodson in a way that he hasn't trusted a running back um, so early in their career uh, since probably Mark Weissman in twenty twenty twelve. God help us.
0: That is, <clears throat> I think that is the defense because I, I think the I honestly truly believe this. It sounds a little hyperbolic, but I think the last time. I I think it's fair to say Kirk Ferris trusts all three of his running backs this year, Ivory Kelly Martin included, um, after Makai Sargent and Tyler Goodson to be the first team running back. And I think the last time that has happened was probably 2009. Um, Not even then, because I don't know about Paul Cheney Jr. But uh, then 2010, Adam Robinson, Marcus Coker, and Jewel Hampton, all three of those guys maybe could have been, you know, rb1s but after that i mean you have marcus coker and then the new then jordan Kanzeri is the the freshman there um and then after that you know you, you can't do anything with wiseman and he didn't really trust damon bullock for uh, for one reason or another and then, then yeah kanzari kanzari kept getting hurt i do think in 2015 maybe like LaShawn daniels and uh like you said Kanzeri and wadley could have figured it out but you know, a trust saying there just hasn't been three guys that they that they trust in the backfield. And, you know, really anybody who fits that mold as good as Goodson, honestly. And you get the yeah. blocking, and Makai Sargent, the fact that he can also block too, probably honestly better than, uh, since probably the best run blocking running back we've had since LaShawn Daniels, I think.
1: Ah, I, I haven't thought about that, because yeah. I think that that was that was a big key to it. And especially that Illinois game, just seeing the, the Wildcat totally come together. I, I mean, I think what, what cracks me up is we didn't see it in the Wisconsin game. Like, I almost wonder if, like...
0: <laughs> they didn't really need it.
1: No, they didn't, but it almost seemed like they were... I mean, retrospectively, they were building it throughout the whole season, so that Wisconsin has to be cognizant of it. And oh, then,
0: are you talking about of the past? Yeah, I remember you making that prediction. It was so yeah. windy that game.
1: Yeah, it was it was a tough one, and plus you yeah. had the snow, and I mean, made for tremendous pictures. So, um, certainly not going to complain about not getting the Wildcat in a dip- blowout win of of Wisconsin. So. Um, Yeah, I I think you're probably right there. The thing... I want to know if I'm crazy. Because I think what will have me understand, totally believe that Kirk Ferentz has changed in terms of how he thinks about offense, is if he finally goes to the pistol formation. That seems like something that is such a no-brainer for Iowa to do, that they have never really entertained that would be the one thing where i'm like okay iowa's offense is officially different even though the wildcat is like this great augmented augmentation to the offense as it is it doesn't feel like a true scheme change um that that the pistol formation would but yeah there's there's no complaints here from the wildcat especially for how good it was it was so good (laughs)
0: The question is, and do we see it next year? Because, Sar- I mean, I know it's a free year, but I don't think Sargent stays. No, he's right?
1: he's gone. Um, yeah. uh, I-, I think it stays um, because it has to. Like, I, I don't know how you yeah. can pull the rug out from from under that. It, it was too good. Um, I-, I can see him having thought we need to try it because here's a the only reason it wouldn't return is if they feel like Spencer Petrus is very good and they don't need the wildcat to supplement offense in the way that it did throughout the year, because there's it's unquestionable that Iowa was struggling um, at times running the ball and the wildcat gave them the, tool in their toolbox to, hey, we know we're going to run. The opponent knows we're going to run. This enables us to have success more in a way that we haven't in past past situations where everyone on the field and in the stadium knew Iowa was going to run.
0: Right. And I think, um, you know, I was sort of always has it feels like a very young running back who um, always excels. And then for for one reason or another kind of leaves before he becomes an upperclassman. So maybe this could be a way to dangle a carrot and maybe keep the kids around.
1: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think the thing about trying to keep running backs around is it's tough because it's like keeping a quarterback around. If you're maybe I was able to keep all, all four quarterbacks in in the fold going into next year. Um, but there's only one ball and the amount of times that Iowa carries it. And they've done a pretty good job of splitting carries um, between Goodson, Sargent. And to your point, like I think Ivory Kelly Martin feels pretty due uh, to have a, a breakout season. And I think it would be his fourth year. Maybe it would be his
0: fifth. Yeah, it would be his fifth.
1: Yeah, so I'm 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 hopeful because you know you gotta like the people that they have, and I think your point is: would they have run the wildcat if they didn't trust the depth in that room? Um, I, I think a third one emerges to so that you can trust it. I did have another mm-hmm. surprise um, that feels maybe uh, overlooked. Mm -hmm. it's in the talent realm do you how genuinely surprising was tory taylor
0: i mean incredibly surprising but like (laughs) i get when you get the the facts written down on paper it's not that surprising is a 22 year old from australia who literally went to academy just to do this for <laughs> a, a year. So it's like I mean it should I yes I'm surprised but this should have happened is like it is the the thing. But like obvious he was absolutely incredible. So Yeah. I,
1: I, I think I let us let's, let's just go through these stats because <laughs> why not? Um Tori Taylor had
0: like, I mean we've talked about him declaring for the draft, haven't we? Like, oh, yeah. Of like,
1: Off hands. He, technically, he can, right? Because he's four years out of high school.
0: Uh, yeah, do they go to high school in Australia? I thought Is it a four years out of high school? I thought it was an age.
1: Oh, I think it, it's three years out of high school. That's how Larry Fitzgerald was able to play at Pittsburgh for two. Um, maybe there's an age thing. It might not be an age thing because there was this one. I thought
0: it was age uh, 20.
1: No, there was like a 17 or 18 year old defensive lineman from Louisville once because he graduated high school at 14 and mm-hmm. moved to play football. Anyways, Tory Taylor, 40 punts for an average of 44.1 yards and it just like
0: I mean and that doesn't that kiss. Yeah, <laughs> um uh, on its face, forty-four yards doesn't sound very good, but that's because he was able to play so many friggin' punts in within I, it d it's gotta have punts within the ten on there, right? I think I, I, I think I can find it.
1: But I just he was a delight and he makes me want them to change the rules so that they can just kick it off the ground because my he blasted that against Wisconsin. I don't think we gave that the proper due in the post game Wisconsin podcast. That penalty, uh, man, that was that was fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm. And um,
1: it, it, oh, you I got th- it?
0: No, I don't. My trusty stats website does not track it. I'm well, I'm kind of mad.
1: The other thing about Tory Taylor that cracks me up about that penalty he has is like at the beginning of the season, he had the, the um, what you call it, the quote where it was, all I do is kick the ball, or I just try to catch the ball and kick it as far as I can, and <laughs> he skipped the first step in that play. So mm-hmm. that was something that I've thought about for every second since I saw it, and now I'll feel better. Uh, now we have the best moment. I have my best moment. Ben, do you do you want to go first?
0: Yeah. Um. And I guess now that I think about, it, it's not really a moment, but well, yeah, it is. It was. I mean, Nixon being an All-American, I think, is. We we've gone that we've gone 41 minutes without mentioning Davion, other than his being on the Big Ten All Big Ten list. Um. And I wanted to also circle back to the reason he wasn't our biggest surprise is because. I don't think anybody was as high on him to start the season as we were. I'll give it that. We deserve a pat on the back for that because uh, – well, I think every, you were. You were being the charge. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. I'll take credit for that because I deserve it. Um, nobody – like, I'm not – I'm not like, Nixon played great, but I'm still not surprised for it because I saw it coming a mile away. I think it was an ov- obvious if you had watched clo- Iowa, not even closely last year, but watched him enough. And I, I mean, I, I did watch him closely last year. I guess so. I, I mean, we had, we had the uh, the tip on that, but I, I'm not surprised he played so well. I um, and I saw and his work paid off, and him being an all a consensus All American, uh, I I, I cash my check to that. So that's the be- that's the best moment.
1: The the best moment for me was. As Amir Smith Marset was midair with the flip, mm-hmm. to me that was just a total joy um, to see that happen. I-, I was ecstatic that it was happening. I missed the land, the non-landing, and him spraining his ankle. Bless up to him. Hopefully he's healing as well as he can. It seems like maybe that injury was kind of really serious. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um I hope hopefully he's fine but like to me that was the single greatest moment um and then the from a broad football perspective I did, I hate Ohio State sports hate but them blasting Clemson was utterly delightful to to go outside of the Hawkeye universe to me that was one where it was like, we can all rally around and see Dabo get a wedgie on this game. So that, that that was tremendous.
0: I mean, I didn't even watch the second half, honestly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I got Zelda to play, man. Um, Yeah. But it's like, also, you know, it's just somebody was, one of my friends was like, got an argument with me. It was like, how can you watch? How do, can you say college football is better than the NFL? Like three, only three teams can win it every year, and it was like, okay, well, the Patriots won it three out of five years um, from 2014 to 17, and, or something like that. I can't remember. And then it's like, that's this is just how a sport is built. It's built built on dynasties, and this is, you know, I'm not ready to make. I I'm just gonna say this is the best Alabama team ever, and in doing so, it's probably it's without question. Um, you know, a top three college football team ever, maybe number one. Uh, most metrics have them better than LSU's team. Better than la- than last year. It's too bad it just happened under these circumstances. And so, just that's that's the point of college football is you build towards being the best of all time. And it's just you know having the payoff and all of that. That that's the sport. The sport is you do. It, you know, comes in chunks. That That's how you recruit. That's how you coach. And um, that's how players play and everything. And it just all came together for Alabama. And, I mean, Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, and Najee Harris, think about all of the great wide receiver running back quarterback combos Alabama's had. I, I kind of think this might be the be- best of the three, you know. You think about that Mark Ingram year. He was, you know, absolutely positively a tank. But Najee Harris – I think is just the most talented Alabama running back I've seen in terms of yeah. like, he, he's like a, you know, uh, Amir, he's kind of, he's like an Amir Smith-Marset outside running routes in that sense, I guess. You know, oh. he's, he's also a wide receiver as well. as yes. a running back. Yeah. is my, that's my point. Sorry.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think that there's a question that this is, you mentioned that trifecta to me. Yeah. There's unquestionably the most talent. Among those three positions that Alabama's had, um, and it was funny because bringing this back to Iowa a little bit, there was that one play that a defensive tackle at Alabama made, and I, I, where it was like fourth and one against Ohio State, and he blew up a telegraphed run, hashtag QB sneak. We need to make that a thing next year. We need to make it our calling card whenever a team has third or one third and one or fourth and one and they don't go for a quarterback sneak and get stuffed we need to make that a thing anyways he made that play and i'm like that could have been davion nixon in a weird way <laughs> because mm-hmm. of, of the way his yeah. career had out. um and i think that that was interesting to me because he that guy really didn't have the statistics that davion nixon had and i, I think you're right like him being a consensus consensus All-American is awesome because it's a moment that gets etched into Iowa history uh, by virtue of um, him having his portrait in uh, the football uh, complex. complex. Yeah, And um, he deserves a ton of credit. He, he he's fought through a lot. Um, he had the learning disability that, Kept him under recruited as much as anything, um, and the amount of work that he put into um, himself personally, his uh, his academics, and obviously on the field. Um, go get paid because that that was maybe the best defensive line season I've seen um, that I can remember uh, from an Iowa a guy in an Iowa uniform just because. People talk like he takes plays off. It, no, I didn't, didn't I, never, of I never
0: even heard that rhetoric until this moment. You just willed into the universe. I never saw once
1: did, anybody like... Did I just liked, people say... Okay. I okay. Never, uh,
0: I've, I've, never on Twitter or anything or in the comments can I remember anybody saying a thing about him taking plays off.
1: Okay, then let me frame it another way. He never took a playoff. Yep. He was awesome. He always did his job, it seemed like. Like, they multiple times would use him as kind of that quarterback spy or to defend under coverage. And he got the interception on, Um, he was just superb. And I think a class of one um, to do that from the defensive tackle position, maybe Jonathan Babineau could replicate it. Um, Maybe Colin Cole could, but (laughs) he's, Awesome. Just I don't, a, yeah. a
0: to like our point, like Adrian Claiborne couldn't do it. I don't think Mike Daniels could do it. Um after I've got his pick six against Penn State as like the second best moment, like that and Amir Smith, Mark Setsfload are I think, are you know the two best plays of the season. <laughs> and it's like when, like, I, and I I watched the pick six before we hopped on here, and I, like, I remember saying at the time, like, I thought that was Barrington Wade who got the, who had the pass, who got it, because <laughs> he was so fast. Like, it was just truly something else. Um, You had something that, kind of, that made me, I forgot what you said, but it reminded me of the last thing I wrote down was, do you remember, and this is just the most interesting stat I took away from the season, do you remember how many sacks I had this year? Do you know offhand? As a team oh, as a group. <clears throat> we had we had twenty two sacks overall. Which eight which in eight games is pretty good. It's good. So good that it was better than three seasons of the Ference era where they played full twelve game schedules. <laughs> Do you know what, can you guess which seasons we outperformed? Uh, the defensive line.
1: Oh, this is a good. This is a good question. With,
0: with four fewer games under our belt, we still had more sacks than these three teams of the Kirk Ferentz era. I, I feel like
1: it's not such an easy answer, but I'll go with the easy answer, which is his first two seasons, ninety-nine, two thousand, and then twenty twelve. Yeah.
0: No, uh, twenty twelve is correct. There were 21 sacks in 2012.
1: Oh, my God. I'm at a loss, Ben, if it's not his first two seasons.
0: 2010 through 2012. In 2012, they had 21 sacks. In 2009, they had 21 sacks. Or in 2011, they had 21 sacks. Excuse me. Okay, start over. In 2012, they had 21 sacks. 2011, they had 21 sacks. In 2010, they had 13 sacks.
1: i totally forgot that like the things that you forget about seasons it's just amazing like there there had there has to be somewhere like that 29 into 2010 season to me that that is an unbelievable drop-off it it
0: truly is because they Um. were
1: awesome in 2009
0: I know, and I think I actually screwed that up. So in 20, 2012 is the year they had 13 sacks. I can't read my own goddamn handwriting. Okay, 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 so, okay. okay. That, yeah, I just screwed that up. So in 20, 2012 was a really horrible year. God, that was the worst year ever. And then 2010, 2011, they each had 20, 21 sacks. I mean, our this year, Davion Nixon and Golston were tied for team lead with five and a half. In 2013, Joe Gaglione... He had a team lead, team lead with five. Behind him was Dominic Alvis with three. Christian Kirksey was third most on the team with two sacks, and James Morris had one and a half. Like oh, boy. That 2012 team did absolutely nothing. And then going back to 2011, I mean, Mike Daniels, he had seven sacks. In 2010, Carl Kluge led the team with, 20, uh, with five and a half. Um I mean, we, we talk about every year how, like, the benchmark now of a good defense, more or less, is, is 30 sacks. Um, and I w- I was hit that watermark uh, in 2017. They had, they had uh, 29. But in all of their, you know, really good years, um, they have 30 or more. And, uh, I, you know, they wouldn't have gotten there. This, I don't think they would have had eight sacks in, in their last two games, but they would have gotten really close. And that sort of speaks to me, too, on how the season um, is definitely viewed as a success now and could be viewed as a super success had they been able to notch two more wins on, uh, to end of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, there, there's a, a big difference between 6-2 and two and 8-2. and two. Um, But ultimately, you play the games that you can. I, I think... Um, There's probably a case that without uh, the lumps that they took, the way they took them um, in those first two games, they probably drop a game or two along the way. um, If they had started out 2-0 and back to where they started, and maybe they end up 7 Anyways, don't need to to parse that too much. And, And I think the other best moment is every game that they had in front of them at the beginning of the season is was complete. They um, didn't have any outbreaks. They were able to um, be conscious of everything going on and focus on, um, you know, being able to play because you can't win however many games as they did six, unless you're able to suit up and they deserve a ton of credit for that. Um, and they did catch some breaks, but, um, you know, they, they did everything that they needed to do to um, play as many games as they did. So, um, yeah, su- successful season in a, a season where there were not so many successes. Um, don't need to look out, outside of the conference to, to find those. But, um, you know, I think it, it was... Ultimately, uh, enjoyable. Like I mean, you look at the statistics, and there was only I'm doing. Oh no, I do have this. There was one more team that put up more points per game, and one more team that allowed less points per game than Iowa. We can get mad about the fact that, well, the one team that put up more points was Ohio State, and the one team that put up less point allowed less points was Northwestern. But frankly. Um, it it feels like with such a weird season, you take what you can get and move towards 2021. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm curious how we'll look back on this season in five years. Um, because I, I already have like that 2018, uh, man, that was the year they missed out on. I don't know if I'll have that about this year. The what if, um, in the same way that I do with 2018.
0: <clears throat> um, I mean, I'm not going to have a what-if this year because, well, I mean, we would have <laughs> would have gotten smoked by Alabama. or uh, I mean, truly, I think we could have beaten Notre Dame. I don't know about Clemson. Uh, your point about the defense behind Northwestern just made me look something up. We were number six nationally in scoring defense in the first four teams. <laughs> in scoring defense were not power five. Uh, so Northwestern was number five, and we were 0.1 points behind Northwestern in scoring defense. They had they were 15.9 points a game. We're 16. Um, Marshall Army, Air Force, and BYU in that order were the first four teams in scoring defense. Uh, I have no idea who those guys played, but it's just interesting. Um, so Iowa was number two scoring defense in the power five this year.
1: They're the only team other than Northwestern that cares about defense in in Power Five. That's what that tells me. I'm kidding. That's
0: yeah. That's uh, that's tough. But I mean, what's funny behind them um, is Ohio. They're not in the Power Five. Is Cincinnati Power Five? Technically, no.
1: Or else they would have been in the the playoff.
0: Okay, so Wisconsin's number nine. So in, mm. the, in the top ten, the only only three teams are in the Power Five. For scoring defense, because uh, Florida, Florida Atlantic is tied with Wisconsin, and then number eleven is San Diego State. That's wild.
1: I, those are some wild stats, Ben. I'm gonna. I'm actually okay. kind of blown away that
0: I am too. Hold on, Utah. You, you yeah, let's do some One, two, three, four. We're counting our Dame Power Five this year. Five. Yes. They're always power five. Yeah, I right. Seven, eight. So, in, in the top 20 for scoring defense, only eight teams are power five this year. Top 25, it's still only eight. <laughs> and wow. Then, and then after 25 is when you finally get, is when the dam breaks. I wonder what does that. that tell you? I mean, I get I guess is that just a function of how many like we have ten games, twelve games, six games, twelve games, nine, eight. Ohio, they only played three games this year, did not know that. They're number seven. Um Wisconsin, seven games. Rice, they're number twelve, they only played five games. But I mean, I don't know, there's enough parity on here, I guess, between the games to to to, to what what to knock out the median. I don't know.
1: I mean, I think I think it kind of shows, yeah. Because I'm looking at the same thing you have. Finally, I mean, Alabama being 13th at, I guess, a field goal less. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that it's just shifts shifted so much. Um, I think. Iowa is going to be a team that always views football through the lens of the defense and how can the offense supplement it and make the defensive job easier? How can special teams make the defensive job easier um, in a way that is unique to college football now? Once Nick Saban came out and said that offense wins championships, um, to me, it's unfair to to call it the Big 12-ification of college football. But it's pace and space, and um, Iowa's leaning into that a little bit, but they're more focused on how do they um, take away other teams' space and make them slow down. Uh, And it's something to monitor going forward, although I don't expect Iowa to turn into an air raid offense overnight. That would be unbelievable all I'm asking for is the pistol Ben
0: I don't get your obsession with the pistol I just don't
1: ah uh, it's too late too late in the podcast to, to discuss okay. it so, okay
0: so you, I guess you, uh, you write up a manifesto and you'll lead with it for the next pod
1: okay uh, I <laughs> we'll see we'll see we'll we'll probably talk basketball on the next podcast Uh, yeah basketball minute iowa basketball is it good very it's pretty good yeah it's it's a lot of fun to
0: watch a lot of fun to watch yeah
1: so coming out just in time for them to to lose to a michigan state team whose fans hate them so this is gonna make us feel really good um, so any final thoughts as we put the bow on the 2020 season?
0: Yeah, I, oh, well, no, I want to go back to the past 12 minutes. My final thoughts are, and I already mm. mentioned this to you, uh, I was on the Only Color, the whatever, the Michigan State blog, nobody knows what it's called, um, and their fans were completely, <laughs> you know what they're complaining about in the, in the comments, Harrison, they're complaining about Tom Izzo's lineups and minutes distribution. You know who complains about that? Iowa fans. So... <laughs> I mean, everything's the frickin' same, you know, nobody's happy with anything. That just totally, you know, gave me grounded me. I mean, I'm the biggest Fran. You and me, I think are probably probably two of the biggest Fran fans. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll call us media members. Honestly, truly. I, I truly do believe that uh, If there's bigger Fran fans out there. I don't know who they would be. Um, we should
1: print the shirts.
0: <laughs> I think, I don't know. I kind of think the guys at GIA are big Fran fans too. I get that feeling being on that website. Um, but yeah, you know, it j- just goes to show you that any the criticisms that you have of them, uh, you know, they may <clears throat> I just think they're you know, typically asinine. He knows what he's doing. He just does, yeah, I mean, now that
1: we're here, like that Maryland game was so eye opening because you can see how he's trying to figure it out in a way that is more than just putting the game in front of him and cutting into a deficit. The example being Joe Wieskamp and CJ Frederick sitting for 15 minutes, more or less to, to close the first half of the Maryland game, throwing out Patrick and Keegan with Jack Nunji, Garza, and a point guard. No shooting, really no shooting, but a Just ton of rebounding. Just rebounding. And shutting teams down and turning defense into offense, and that was exhilarating is hyperbole. But you get what he's doing, and that's something that you look at, and it's like, oh, he can go to this in the future. Because Murray was uh, – he's going to play like that for a long time.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, it was just awesome to watch and to put the run on them like they did. It was – an utter delight, utter delight. So the basketball minute.
0: Mm-hmm. Same page there. Well, and I mean, just real quick with him, like you said, mentioning how the, the distribution of minutes and sending those guys, it, it's, I mean, early on his tenure, it felt like square peg round hole is what he's trying to do. And now it just seems like to take a cliche, uh, let the game come to him, I guess is how basketball players say. Um and that's just how it kind of feels like he's managing games now. Only took 11 years. That was a backhanded compliment.
1: No, but I mean, part of it is like, I, he's finally got, in my opinion, like the platonic ideal of a basketball team that he would like to go yeah. to. Like he's got 100% offense with his starting lineup. The offense can, can start it if they are strong defensively for a period of time, then it can really put Iowa on a good situation, mm-hmm. but there are pieces on the bench that he can use in a way that um, are multidimensional uh, like Keegan Murray at shooting guard. That's, that's something that Iowa has not had. Um, they've, they tried bear at that in 2018 and like Wagner and it's like, Oh my gosh. Um, but having the tools that he has in his, Toolbox is, um, it makes him look smart in games. And, and to his credit, he is letting the game come to him. He's not forcing things with, oh, I got to get this guy his minutes or that guy. Because it felt like there was always something with Ola Shaney and Woodbury that, oh, Ola Shaney's got it rolling. Now he's coming out for Woodbury. He's just riding guys. And um, to me, that's that's the exciting piece. That, that feels like a huge growth. Um, growth from him from the beginning of his tenure.
0: I don't. I think we talked about this before, but I don't think he ever had O'Shea and Woodbury on the floor at the same time. Like I remember Brendan Stiles. He always he tracked the lineups kind of the way you, you used to. And I think there, I think it was three minutes the entire year when they're on the floor at the same time.
1: I, yeah, I remember him trying it once, and it's like
0: I <laughs> this it is really slow. <laughs> These guys are like, really yeah. slow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's like they're just no spacing. It's like trying to score in a phone booth. Like, I mean that—that's when I look back, like at the statistics that Fran has accumulated with like Ken Pom. and you look back at some of those teams that he had. I, I the, the twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen teams, very little shooting, very little shooting, and he was still able to cobble together top twenty five, top thirty offenses. Their skills. Rested on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I want. I do wonder what um, if he was more defensive minded as a coach. Ha, if he if he would have been able to lean into that a little bit more, even though he did because that was where their skills were. Um, but it's night and day. Like Iowa running the offense that they did down the stretch of the Rutgers game. They're running plays. They're running sets. They have all the the actions that they're going to. They're not afraid to shoot it when they're open versus those gazelle teams where dribble at the top and then maybe a ball screen and he's just barreling towards the hoop trying to get it, get it to the free throw line where he's not a strong free throw shooter. So night and day, night and day.
0: Yep. <laughs> <Alrighty>. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sounds good.
1: All Ben. I think that uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Pants Party. We will come back next week with uh, some more basketball discussion. I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about. But uh, really appreciated closing out the, the 2020 uh, football season with you, Ben. This was a lot of fun and can't wait to keep it going.
0: Yep. It was a good ride. That's it.
1: And we are... Done.